Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations of Audley Stevenson, and it's a pleasure to be here on another edition of the most audacious podcast you'll find on the internet. This, of course, is the Audacious Living Podcast, and I want to thank you for taking a moment out of your day and joining us here as we continue our ongoing goal of helping you live your best audacious life ever. Uh, As always, I encourage you to connect with us through our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle The Audacious Pod. And then if you head over to Facebook and search The Audacious Living Podcast, you'll find us there and you can be a part of that community. And then, of course, if you are watching the episode, this particular episode on YouTube, then you know that you can subscribe to our YouTube channel by tapping the notification bell and uh, you're all set. So please. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, and share, and but you know, by all means, keep part of that conversation, that audacious conversation. Let's keep it going. Now, um, we're going to talk today on this episode of the podcast about the process of finding your red thread. Now, the term red thread essentially is referencing that big idea that you want to convey to others. You know, really, the question to ask is, what is the main message that you want to leave with people? You see, going through this process is is a way of finding clarity. And clarity of who you are and what you're about is an important thing on the pathway to audaciousness. You know, the, the, the red thread, it's not, it's not a new terminology at all. It's not certainly not something that I made up, but it actually exists in, in several cultures all around the world. Uh, there's, there's a reference to the red thread uh, in the Islamic faith. Uh, there's a red thread in Judaism. Uh, there's a red thread in the Hindu culture. And then in, in Eastern philosophy, you know, the red thread is what connects a connector of souls. So if you connect your soulmates and typically in the wedding, in the context of weddings is when you'll see that reference oftentimes used. Um, so again, it's, it's, it's nothing new, but we're going to look at it today in the context of uh, how the Swedish and North Europeans use it, which again, it's, it's about that common theme. Um, our guest on uh, this edition of the podcast to help expand that conversation further uh, is Tamsin Webster. Uh, she's a renowned speaker, a consultant, a TEDx idea strategist, and she is uniquely qualified to have this conversation about the red thread. Um, her book, conveniently enough, it's called Find Your Red Thread, Make Your Big Ideas Irresistible. In it, Tamsin shares the same step-by-step process that she uses with her clients in helping them deliver memorable presentations and, and keynotes and really how to make big ideas irresistible. 
Uh, Tamsin will, will break it all down and, and give us a fulsome understanding of what that process looks like and what it means to find your red thread and how you even go about doing that. Her book definitely el- elaborates further. So this is where I'm going to stop talking and, and give you an opportunity to hear from Tamsin herself. Enjoy. Um, so at first, I really appreciate you doing that. And you know, Tamsin, I, I don't really get into any kind of long introductions because I, I kind of just like having conversations and that's how I structure them. So I, I, I mean, I, if you want me to read your bio and tell you about yourself, I could, but (laughs) if you don't, that's okay. I think I know all that I want to know at this point. Yeah. Understood. So then, you know, I would just love to get started first off by, by saying welcome to the audacious living podcast. You know, we, 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 we have a lot of fun here just talking about all the really neat and cool things we can do in life to live more boldly and audaciously. And and uh, certainly the idea of finding a red thread, I think, fits into that nicely. Yes, well, absolutely. Because the more you know your red thread, the more kind of, I think, firm and confident and bold and audacious you can be because it allows you to have that clarity. And I think that's really a key to being audacious. Thank you. And, and clarity was so, I mean, as I was sort of thinking about our conversation mentally, mentally preparing for it, clarity was definitely one of the things I think uh, that that process of finding the red thread does. But perhaps before we get into that, I wonder if you sort of explain the concept. So we're all kind of starting at the same page here. Sure. Well, it all starts with this idea that we tell ourselves stories to make sense of the world, right? And not necessarily, well, once upon a time stories, but stories that are explanations, justifications. Well, this happened to me because, or the reason why this is this way is because. And we don't realize it necessarily that those are stories, but they are, and they follow the same structure of stories. So the thing is that because we do this all the time, each of us builds up this own pattern of these kinds of stories. And if you can look at it overarchingly at at your life, you can oftentimes see a very clear red thread, a very clear kind of story that you tend to tell yourself all the time. So the idea behind uh, the red thread and the book and all of that is that If we can find that red thread, if we can define that story that we tell ourselves, or when I'm working with businesses and Mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs and founders, if we can find the story that their clients and customers will tell themselves about a business or an idea, then we're really, what we're able to do is essentially short circuit that process. We're basically able to deliver that ready-made story right Right. into somebody's brain. So it really has two purposes. One is to understand how you look at the world, how you make sense of the world. And the second is how to translate how you look at the world into a way that makes sense to other people. And so so I'll tell you the the moment I, I learned about you and your work and I start to really get in deep, I'm like, oh, my goodness, things start to make sense. And you're starting to identify. And and, and the piece that one of the pieces I love is you find the red thread, which says that it is there. The story yes. is there. Right. It's yes. not like we're creating it in the spot. So no. and so it's a subtle. I mean, the language you use finding it. That's telling it it's there. We just got to go and get it. is there because like I said, our brains do this all the time automatically. Mm -hmm. And it really is just a process of surfacing what has otherwise been fairly invisible to us and making explicit what was implicit. And that can be an incredibly empowering thing when you start to realize that 
you know, there's something about how you see the world that's different, or, you know, there's something about your idea that's really powerful, but you just haven't been able to articulate it either, either to yourself or to others. And so to be able to break down kind of your worldview, your point of view, your ideas, your messages into those component story parts, so they can really look at them gives you a real opportunity just to understand just how different, unique, and fundamentally powerful each of those things is. Mm -hmm. I could just imagine that when someone people and you're sitting with you, whether it's clients or individuals, or you're, you're talking about the book and they go, oh, like that feeling of, oh my goodness, I've now discovered it. What, what's that like to what kind of watch uh, that? On, that's that on the best. That is my favorite part <laughs> of doing this work is that every time, like just about every time, I mean, sometimes it takes you know more time than others, but but eventually everybody starts to realize that their idea is much bigger and much more powerful than they originally thought. Mm -hmm. And even when they came in thinking they had this massive idea, what what this process can help you do because you're you like I said, you're finding its component parts, you're really finding its structural elements, is that each of those structural elements oftentimes gives you a perspective and all the other things that you can do with that idea, yeah. how you can talk about it, you know, in certain cases, what like other lines of content development or, you know, service offerings or things like that. A lot of it's just really powerful in that way. Yeah. I will even tell you, you know, I started this podcast last December. It was during a time when, you know, during COVID where we were all kind of locked down and I felt that there was something that I wanted to do and didn't know what that was. And I went through this process where I looked back and said, okay, so what's important to me? What yeah. matters to me? What do I care about? You know, what do I want to share with others? And I was, I was, I was essentially looking for that red thread. And yeah, landed on yep. the whole concept of, of, of being audacious. And when I started to examine my own life and every major success or made every major accomplishment was made as a result of some act of audaciousness by either myself or someone else or a story that was shared with me. And so I felt like as I was going, going even going again, going through the mental preparation of this of this conversation today, I was like, oh my goodness. This is exactly what I did. <laughs> yes. I mean, it can be so powerful. And, and it's, it's a thing that happens a lot. I mean, a lot of times my clients come to me because they are trying to make sense. They are, you know, they use, they actually even without knowing the red thread to start with, they, they even use the language of like, how do I tie everything I do wow. together? Like what makes it all make sense or how can I make it make sense to other people? Um, and that's a, that's a, that is such a common element. And I think so, so many of us want that and uh, are, you know, and just don't know where to start with it. You know, you, again, you get that sense. You're like, well, it has to make sense somehow because I did all of those things or you did all of those right, things. Right. Um, but figuring out how to make it make sense for other people, that can be sometimes a bigger challenge. So what kind of does that process look like then when you're trying to make it make sense? So I walk in your door and say, Tamsin, what's going on? What, 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 do you, what do we start? Like, Well, one of the first things we do is we make it real and we make it concrete uh, because one of the hardest things to do is to, is to, you know, because this is such an implicit baseline, you know, I, I often refer to it as like, this is our, our red thread is like our operating system. It's, mm -hmm. it's why we do what we do the way that we do it. Yeah. That, that to try to pull it out of thin air is very, very difficult. But when you, when you 
make it have to serve a purpose. Like, so I, you know, oftentimes I'll say, well, okay, well, where, where are you going to use this message? If you're going to talk about you or what you do, where, where are we going to see that? Is it going to be on a website homepage? Or if I'm working with speakers or aspiring speakers, is it going to be a talk description or a book, you know, a book description for an eventual proposal or something like that? Um, You know, for, for companies, a lot of times it's like, you know, well, we need a pitch deck or something like that. So by making it concrete, that allows us to answer then some other really important questions. And they're the same questions you see in the book, which starts to be, okay, well, what, how will you know when you're successful? What's the outcome that you're looking for, both for you and for them? Who, who is them? Like, who are they? Who are you for? Uh, what is that? What is that? You know, what are the group of people, you know, what's that group of people that you're looking for? Um and you know, if you've got a sense of it, what's the message that you're trying to get across? Right. And once we get some of that, you need at least two of the three. You need to either know what you want to, you need it right. of the three of what you want to do, of who you want to do it for, or what you want to tell them. Mm-hmm. You need at least two of the three really to get started. Um, and a lot of times what we're doing is just figuring out how to, how to solve for X, right? How do, how do we right. then craft that message from there? But once we know the audience and once we know and have that mental lens of where we're using it, then we use that audience to figure out, okay, well, what question are they asking Right. or that, you know, that, that you help them solve mm. or if you're trying to, you know, figure out what your own origin story is or something like that, yep, yep. same process. Like, well, what was, what was I trying to figure out? Like, what was a question that drove me? Um, and either way, everything starts with that question. What was something that you wanted to know, but didn't, what was an right. answer you wanted to have, but didn't have yet. And that is really where it starts and where we start our work. Yeah. It, it, it. It's such a, a deep dive into yourselves and that, that, that whole self-discovery piece. And, and sometimes it's interesting because sometimes you think you know something about yourself and you think, you know, oh, I already got the answer. And then when you do, start to do the exploration, you realize that, well, what you thought isn't exactly, you know, where, where you'll end up. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's usually, you can usually see see it though, right? Like you can look back. So I don't, I don't know where I picked this up. I may have invented it, but I love this, this saying that the, you know, when you look back, the past is a straight line, because if you look forward, you have absolutely no idea where you're like going. You can think you know where you're going. And, and, and even in the midst of it going through it, you can be like, ah, but when you go back and actually look at it, um, that can be really, that, that can oftentimes surprise people to understand that there really is a connection between, okay, you know, how, why did I do a thing that I do? And so sometimes when, uh, you know, occasionally people come to me and say, okay, well, how do I, you know, how do I present myself in an interview or something like that? Um, or how do I know like whether or not to take this new position? Like, it seems like such a departure, you know, should I do it? One of the things I say to people is, okay, fast forward five years, how would you explain why you did that? Like, do you feel like you could, tell, you know, not necessarily tell a story, but give an explanation, which is a story uh, for, for why you did that. Um, Because most of the time we can't, you know, so if you can go back and say, okay, well, why did you start doing this? Well, I wanted to know X or I wanted this instead. Well, guess what? Every time that you do that, that's, that is a part of that story. And that's part of, you know, it's revealing to you uh, a little bit of how you uniquely fill in that structure of the story of the red thread for yourself. Right, right, right. As you're talking, I, I thought I thought of a, a quote that I've, I've referenced a couple of times in terms of how we live our lives, right? So li- life 
when we live it forward, it's an art, but when we look back, it's a science. So that's straight. Oh, line I love that. that. About, yeah. Right? And it's funny. I always, every time I quote that, I almost make, I always twist around and mix it up, but I got it right this time. <laughs> but no, but again, but it is very much the point about just sort of when you reflect back, it all kind of makes sense. And so I go back to myself and I talk about that process that I went through. It was exactly just that it sort of, it all makes sense. And so that's where uh, I think there's some relevancy. Um, I'm a big fan of language and words that we use, and and, and I absolutely love the, the usage of the word irresistible, right? Mm. And 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 making ideas irresistible. And I believe there's a, a sentence that you, know, I think the opening sentence talks about the best way to make your ideas irresistible is to build stories that people will tell themselves. And we talk about stories, but I wonder if you can just elaborate on that opening sure. statement because it's so powerful. Well, the most irresistible stories are the stories we tell ourselves, right? Because those are the ones that make us feel good. They're the, the stories that we tell ourselves about why we do or don't do the things that we do are we tell them because they are the stories that make us feel smart, capable, and good. And it is a, it is a basic human need and arguably one of the most powerful emotional and mental and psychological drivers of humans is to be seen as smart, capable, and good. Um, if not by ourselves, then by others, right? So, because not everyone feels that they are, but everybody still wants to be seen that way. Um, and so th the stories that we tell ourselves are that, and they're so irresistible because they generally make us feel good about ourselves. They make us feel good about the way that, that the world works and how we work in it. So if you can tell and talk about your idea in a way that, aligns with that kind of story, with a story that someone will tell themselves about why this idea um, either validates why they're smart, capable, or good, or can make them feel more smart or more capable or more good, or at the best, most you know, aspirational, audacious you know, role that can make them feel even more themselves. Mm. Well, then that's the most irresistible idea of all because it's one that was like well this totally feels like me it makes sense to me it aligns with how i see the world and it allows me to be even more me even more smart capable and good uh than i was before and so that's that's really the the emotional philosophy behind the book is that the more that we can help people feel right about what they do mm -hmm the more likely that they're going to see what you are suggesting as right for them as well. As, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how, how powerful it is to that awesome power of empathy and being able to be able to display that because that's going to be a core element of how we operate in order to get what we want accomplished. Absolutely. And it's a conversation I've been having a lot lately. I mean, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I love it when people pick up on the fact that empathy is baked into this book because I don't mention it once in the book. I don't think, I don't think really? I ever mentioned the word empathy. Wow. Um, but when Seth Godin read it to give, you know, to give an endorsement for it, like he picked it out and he was okay. like, Oh, this is about building stories with empathy. I'm like, yes. Nice. Um, because it's actually, actually about a kind of empathy that I feel is underserved right now, but just as important and just as buildable as a skill as the as the, uh, the empathy that we are, most of us are more familiar with. And so most of us are familiar with a kind of empathy that's known as emotional empathy. Right. Yep. You know, being able to put somebody else, put yourself in somebody else's shoes and understand how they feel. Mm -hmm. 
Well, there's another kind of empathy that's known as cognitive empathy. And that's being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and understand how they think. Now, this is really important. And this is one of the lessons I learned as a Weight Watchers leader, because our thoughts and our feelings are intimately connected yeah. with each other. Yeah. And that if we can change how somebody thinks about something, we can change how they feel about it. And that their feelings are driven by thoughts and all that. And the actions are the results of the two. So when we're talking about creating change, right? Creating a change in someone's thinking or behavior. Absolutely, it's important to, to understand how they feel. But you can't directly affect how somebody feels. You can't just say someone, be happy. You can't say right. to someone, don't be afraid. But you can affect how they think about it. And so that's really where I wanted to go. I said, right. you know, the only lever that is an outside person you can help move for somebody is how they think. So understand how they think. That's the cognitive empathy piece. And then use that to help understand how they would make the case for you, for your idea, for themselves. Gotcha. Um, and I think that, you know, I know that that is a buildable and a, and a, and a, you know, a buildable skill. It's a skill that you can learn over time. Right. And I think that it is just as powerful as building the skill of emotional empathy. Mm -hmm. you know, as, as you're talking about the, the you know, the, again, you, you, I think what we do is we give people context. So we're, by, 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 so, so it's not just be, as you said, be happy. It's, it's giving them the context to understand how they can be happy or even for the why they can be happy. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And giving them that thought process that works for them about why that's possible, how to do it, how to make it concrete. Gotcha. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I've this, we could talk for hours about this. Um, it's, uh, but I'm, you know, for any number of my own personal reasons, I'm very sensitive to the, we'll just feel differently kind of advice. Um, cause it's just not possible. I mean, right. you feel a thing. For well, if you don't reason. know, you don't know, right. You can, it's you not can't enough. Try, you feel about things like right. they just have feelings happen. I just, That's right. That's right. I remember, I remember a therapist one time said to me, like feelings are feelings. They don't deserve to be judged. And <laughs> Uh, and yet the minute we tell someone to be happy or don't be afraid that even with the best of intentions carries with it a judgment yeah. that however they feel about that thing right now is not the way they should be feeling. And the thing is, no, 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 they've earned that feeling. And so that's part of what the red thread is, you know, that I think what I found is without telling people, Hey, first you have to go learn how to be cognitively empathy, you know, co cognitively empathic, um, it, you know, it's designed to walk people through the kinds of questions that allow that to build, you know, build the skill. So right. to say, okay, well, well, what question are they asking? All right. Because you can see that question. If you're in business, you can see the questions that people ask that bring them to you. You can see the kinds of questions that people ask in public forums about a particular topic. You can do searches like on answerthepublic.com and you can see what right. do people want to know? You, you know what they're asking. Right. And so it's just a matter of starting to tune your brain to that and to say, oh, okay. And then as you know, from, from looking at the book, like each of the pieces of the red thread has some element of, well, why would they agree with this? Like, mm -hmm. what would, what would they, how can you frame this? What can you tell them that, that not only would they agree with, but again, helps them feel smart, capable, and good that really validates wherever they're coming from. Right. Even if, you know, when you start, you feel like the person you're talking to is doing completely the wrong thing. You think it's completely idiotic, whatever. Yes, the exercise is to start from that belief, 
whether it's just put on for the moment or not, that that person is smart, capable and good. And there is a good reason right. why they are doing what they're doing the way that they're doing it. What is that? That's right. Because you know, there's a concept, which I'm sure, you know, called radical empathy, yeah. which is the ability to so adopt somebody else's position that you could argue for it as well as they could. That, I think, if you can do that, if you can argue for their current position yeah. as well as they could, well, then you know enough about that position to be able to understand how from that same point of view, they might get to a point where they could start to argue for yours. Mm. And that's the magic. Mm. The, the idea of just giving people a benefit of the doubt and, and yes. removing the judgment. And yes. as you said, smart, capable, good, and everything is justifiable in their minds and, and how yes. they view the world. You That's know, right. We, 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 I, I talked a little about powerful tools. You know, that is another one of the powerful tools that can not only the manner in which we empower other people and we give that power to them saying, hey, look, like you have it within you and, and, you know, all the things that you're doing, they're justifiable. And here's why as an example. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is, it's yes. It's all of that. Yeah. Um, and I, and obviously I feel pretty passionately about this, but, um, it's just cause I've, I've seen that it works and it works mm -hmm. better and more consistently and with less pain all around than the alternative, gotcha. which is trying to get people to want things that they don't want or to believe things that they don't believe, um, or to tell them that they're wrong or to make them afraid or to, to, you know, raise the stakes and dial up the pain and make them feel bad about what they're doing and like, make them feel, you know, fear, you know, all of that. They're already feeling all of that. Yeah. So you can identify with it, but in my experience, you, can you use it to drive action? Can you use it to, to make someone do something at least once? Yeah. Are they going to keep doing it long-term? Not if it doesn't make them feel smart, capable and good. I mean, yeah. they, they just won't, they just yeah. won't like, we won't do things long-term that yeah. are not internally consistent that way. We just yeah. won't. Yeah, that's right. We got to validate people and their who they are as individuals as a starting point, and that gets you closer to you know, again. They, they want to hearing about you or caring what you. You've got to make it relevant, and you know every marketer in the world will agree with that and say that's you know they they understand that concept and principle, right? So they do, they do in principle. Gotcha. <laughs> when you say that we always follow that, I was actually having a conversation with a client earlier today where they had they they had gotten you know, a, you know, a, a marketing firm had done a really good job on them, like reinforcing why and how they needed to be different and remarkable. Mm -hmm. And so I was spending some time to say, saying, yes, absolutely. You need to be remarkable, but if you don't establish your relevance first, then they won't even stop to pay attention to what's remarkable about you because it, it won't even register as that yeah. they should pay attention. Um, you know, one of the ways I've said it is, I, you know, I love the two work hand in hand, remarkable and relevancy. They're very much aligned. They do. And I think we get them out of order. A lot of times we're like, mm. well, if we're different, we'll get people's attention and then we'll, you know, but it's like you, yeah, but people are not looking for different to start. They're looking for an answer to a question they have, which Why means they're I, looking yeah. for relevant first. Yeah. So Seth Godin, love him, uh, you know, definitely a, a, a mentor from afar, sure. um, you know, he talks about a purple cow, right? And a lot of times from a marketing perspective, we talk about, you know, our, our, you know, what's your purple cow? Like what makes you remarkable? Um, and as much as I love and respect that, it, we have to remember that, that 
people don't care how purple you are if they don't want the cow in the first place. Like right. it might be interesting to them, but if they're not in the market for milk, like it doesn't matter that it comes from a purple cow or something else. Right. That's right. So that's where I think that, you know, that's, you know, that's a subtle piece of what I, you know, ends up like, again, it's built into the, to the red thread approach is to really start with relevance. But when I end up having that kind of conversation with a client, uh, you know, we end up having that conversation about, well, you're not like, yeah, like Simon Sinek and people don't buy what you do. They buy what you do it. I'm like, yeah, but they have to buy, they have to want what you do care. first. Right. It's care. like, yeah, yeah. It's like, I may love what Apple stands for, but unless I need a new computer, I'm not just going to go buy it because right. it's innovative. Right. That's like, right. That's so right. yeah, that's right. Sorry. Yeah, soapbox. No. I'll step back up. No, no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. No, this is the, this is the platform for you to take that soapbox. So by all means, um, I, 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 times I, I should, I should, really should have gone back. And I'm going to go back because I really should have asked from the very onset. Um, how did you land on the concept of the, the red thread itself specifically? Sure. Um, kind of there's some, there's some, some mythological references too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there are. <laughs> it's so good. So, so, so the, the, the true story is that I had the approach and I had this concept and it took me quite, it took me actually, you know, six months before they married together. And I was like, mm. oh, I could call this thing because I had figured out this approach of, or I had this idea that I started with this hypothesis that, um, that what if our brains built our explanations and our rationalizations with the same elements that are in stories, like traditional stories. Um, and so I, you know, I was working and testing and I had those elements, which are the five elements that end up in the book. Um, and they've turned out to be solid. So yes, five years later, I could say, yes, that is the same. Um, and then I had this concept that, uh, I knew because I had clients mention it. So I had mm -hmm. uh, a couple clients that were Swedish and they would oftentimes say, well, what's the, what's the, what's the red thread here? And I could tell from context that they were saying, What's the big idea? What's the main message? Like, what what is the thing that will make this make sense to me? Right. Um, and it was such a beautifully visual, like visceral mm -hmm. thing. Like you, mm -hmm. like you don't even need to you don't even need to actually know, but you could just kind of get what it means when That's you right. talk about someone. So, but I was very curious about well, where where did that come from? What, why is it? So there's, there's lots of different theories there's uh, and it can get confusing because there's red threads and like every major philosophy and religion in one form or another, which is also great at the same time. I didn't even realize it. Didn't yeah, there were. So there's, there's red thread in Islam. There's red thread in Judaism. Uh, there's red thread in Hindu, the Hindu culture. And, you know, there's red thread. Oh my gosh. Goethe wrote about a red thread uh, in the British Royal Navy. Um, there's an Eastern philosophy red thread about that connects you and your soulmate. Um, there's lots of red threads, but people think that the red thread in the context of how like the Swedish and the Northern Europeans use it uh, goes back to Greek mythology. And you know, the quick version is that the red thread is the tool that Theseus used to trace his path through the Minotaur's labyrinth so he could find his way back out again. Mm. Um, and there's a whole story that I tell in the book about that yep. and how that worked. But that process of, you know, this, this thing that kind of united your journey that helped you trace and retrace your steps. When I, when I discovered that that was what it's, 
what kind of the origin story of the phrase was, I looked at my own process. I was like, well, that's exactly what this process does. I have people go back and retrace the mental steps that led them to believe that this was the right idea in the first place. Or if we're talking about your own origin story about why you did what you did in the first place. And I was like, oh, well, why don't I just call it that? Because both the outcome and the process are described by the word itself. Like by following the process of the red thread, like Theseus, you're retracing your steps. And the outcome is the metaphorical red thread of the big idea, the thing that makes it all make sense together. Yeah, yeah. And and, and what it also does in the very beginning, use clarity. It, it provides that clarity and that understanding and 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 actually changes the whole, can potentially change the whole landscape for you to make it, things much more clear, which, which is really the goal if you look at it, right? You know, it is. It's funny because it's, um, you know, there... You know, as a as a 25 year brand and message strategist, you know, I, I I spent a lot of time in the early days of the red thread figuring out what you know the goal question for my own folks is, um, and you know, in clarity, I spent some time there, and I realized though that not enough people, there are plenty of people who do seek that, but it's not typically the most urgent. You know, they're they're us- right. they're usually looking for clarity so they can write a thing, do a thing, publish a thing, give a thing, um, pitch a thing. Um, but they don't usually, so they're looking in the terms of the deliverable and not in the clarity that will get them there, uh, but it ends up being a free prize, you know, to, again, to quote Seth Godin, um, it ends up being an extra thing that, you know, they get that thing they were looking for that, that deliverable. Um, but in, but at the same time, they end up getting you know, clarity about how they see the world, how to talk about that thing. And in my wish, and I, you know, clients tell me this is true. They end up with a, a, a process they can use again yeah. without me. And yeah. one that they can go back to over and over again, anytime they need to either reach clarity for themselves or achieve clarity for others. Yeah. It, it, listen, we, I think we've all been in that situation where we've got this idea and in our mind, it makes absolute sense. We're oh, excited yeah. about it. We've got all this emotion and you put it out there and it kind of drops like a lead balloon because yes. no one else connected oh, to it. So I know. You know. And it's so sad. Isn't that, <laughs> is that awful? Like it's the worst feeling. So it it, is. Yeah. But we've got clarity now on how we can make that. Well, that's right. And that's what this conversation is all about. So I, I think this is uh, this is awesome. And, and, and Tams, and I really uh, appreciate uh, you taking the time and kind of going through and explaining this process. I think it's fantastic. So thank you. And a gr- great job on the book. I think people will walk away because it is set up as a tool as well. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a tool that they can do some self-discovery work themselves, whether it's figuring out what their ideas, sharing their message, figuring out their origin story. All of those things can be done by kind of following that process. That's right. Because those are all stories that we tell ourselves. So anytime you need to do that, then all you have to do is find that red thread because it's there. Awesome. If you can let our listeners know, if, uh, you know where they can go to learn more about you and your work or information or where they can grab a copy of the book, where can we send them? Sure. Uh, all things Tamsin Webster are at TamsinWebster.com. I am literally the only Tamsin Webster in the universe, as far as I know. So I'm not hard to find, uh, but everything can be TamsinWebster.com. Or if that, you know, if the spelling of the name seems like overwhelming, you can also go to RedThreadBook.com. That sometimes is easier for folks to remember. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And again, I'm, I, I'm t- again, this is so relevant to, to you know, our, our, well, this podcast is conversation, the idea of getting that clarity that allows for that boldness and audaciousness to occur uh, is just phenomenal. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you being here and all the best times. Oh, you're spectacular. I'm delighted to be here. Back we are here on the podcast, and uh, my appreciation, thanks goes out to Tamsin for joining us here. And and as I said off the top, you know the, the the process of finding your red thread is so important from a clarity standpoint, which really is key to truly living an audacious life. So again, Tamsin, thank you so so much. The insights were appreciated, and I, and thank you as well for being so gracious with your time. You know, Tamsin left us with so much to think about, but if there's just one thing that I would take away from our conversation, it would be this. Clarity is a great thing because it helps us find focus and direction. And you know, if if you've ever felt like you were lost or directionless in your life, you probably know how hard it can be to make progress on anything. When you have clarity around your goals and your priorities, it's easier to move towards what you want and to get what, what you want out of life. The more sure you are about your story and the things that you stand for, the more confirmed, confident, bold, and audacious you can be because it allows you to have that clarity. And I think that's really a key to truly being audacious. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, please know that you can do so by simply heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com. All you've got to do is enter in your email address and uh, you'll get notifications every time we got brand new content. So it's, it's that easy. We reached the end of another episode, and as always, I thank our, our audacious listeners and uh, followers and supporters. Uh, so much of what we do here uh, is off the strength of your support. So thank you so, so much. It's so appreciated, and uh, we'll keep doing our thing as long as you keep doing yours. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.